0: Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for us. Lord, we we can't even begin to count all the ways that you have blessed us. We are so grateful to you. And this week of Thanksgiving, Lord, we particularly just give you thanks for what you have done and, and what we know you will continue to do in our lives and through us. Lord, I pray that as we open your word together that you would speak to our hearts. You would really speak to us, God and that you would show us your will and what, how we need to respond to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is definitely one of my favorite Sundays, International Sunday. So enjoy experiencing all different kinds of food and cultures and looking forward to get over to the World Fair after this. Well we're going to start our journey in scripture today in Ephesians chapter 2 verses eleven through nineteen um, <clears throat> the scriptures will be up on the screen there and also um, there's some Bibles in the seat back in front of you if you want to follow along there so we'll start in Ephesians chapter 2 eleven through nineteen and we're going to uh, look at today of how Jesus and through through Jesus, what Jesus does for us as people who are from different backgrounds, what was really accomplished through the cross. Ephesians 2.11, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ "...excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility." by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him... We both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. So, what Paul is talking about here is the fact that before Christ came, the only people that really could have access to God were, were the Jewish people, the, the people of Israel. They were God's chosen people. And so the Gentiles were kind of excluded from that. They were foreigners from that. Now imagine you were plucked out of the United States, those of you that are native-born here. Let's say you were plucked out of the United States and you were dropped into another country that you'd never heard of. You don't know the language. You don't have any money in that, you know, that foreign currency. You don't have any friends or family. In that country, and you have no one who is sympathetic to your cause. Imagine how you would feel being dropped into that situation, completely lost, completely without hope. What am I doing here? I, I no way to help yourself. And Paul is saying that is how we were before Christ. It says that we were we were foreigners, we were aliens, we were we were far away, we were separate, we were excluded, we were without hope, we were without we were without God. This is before Christ. But now, through Christ, those of us who are Gentiles—anybody here not a Gentile? Anybody born Jewish? Okay, so that's all of us were excluded, like. Pretty much 100% of us were excluded. But now, through Christ, we are included into the family of God. And now we're not only citizens of, of the kingdom of God, but we're also members of the royal household. That's amazing. We're children of the king of this kingdom. With all the rights and the privileges of being a child of the king in this kingdom that will never end. What a change from being excluded and a foreigner without hope, without God, to be like, you can go into the throne room. Amazing. It's an amazing thing that we have in Christ. And and through the cross of Christ, that barrier between Jew and Gentile was broken. And we have been made one, one together in Christ. But then the question is, so... Okay, that's between Jew and Gentile, but what about the barriers that exist from one Gentile to another? The barriers that exist among people groups today, Gentile people groups. What does the cross of Christ, what effect does the cross of Christ have in that situation? Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. And Paul is speaking to the believers, the church in Colossae. Verse 9, he says, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, in the new self, There is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. So you probably recognize many of those those terms. So we have the Greek and the Jew, the circumcised and the uncircumcised, the slave and the free. All those are opposite pairs, right? Well, there's one, one word you probably haven't heard of, the Scythians. And, and I mean, I didn't know who Scythians either, so I just Googled it, right? Well, we've probably heard of barbarians. Barbarians, we have in our mind of, you know, the uncultured, uncouth, whatever, the rough and tumble folks from wherever, right? Barbarian. We just, even just the name barbarian, like, oh, yeah, we have this picture in our mind. Well, the Scythians were like barbarians on steroids, I mean, they were, the, they were the barbarians of the barbarians of the barbarians. These, these people were just hated, despised. They were, they were the butt of all the jokes. They were known for being drunkards. They were known for having basically what we would call a pot parties. They're potheads, modern-day what we would call them. When they would go into battle, the first enemy that they would kill... They would, they would drink the blood of that first person killed. They would scalp their enemies, and they would use the skin as a napkin. They would cut off the, the skull, and they would, they would clean the skull and, and use it as a bowl for eating out of. So the, the rulers of the Scythians, when they would die, they would have a, a, like a funeral for the the Scythian king or chief or whatever. Well, after a number of days, they would also kill his wife, and if he had any mistresses, they'd, they'd kill the mistresses, they'd kill the slaves, they would kill the horses, because the Scythian king had to have an entourage in the afterlife, right? So he needed his wife and his mistresses and his slaves and his horses, so they would kill them all so that the Scythian ruler could have his entourage in the afterlife, Imagine that kind of society, that kind of people. Okay? The the most barbaric of of barbarians. But Paul is saying, in Christ, we're one. That even the lowly Scythians are transformed by the power of Jesus and we're made one. That must have just blown their minds for them to to, to hear that. The Scythians? Oh my, what? Wow. That is the power of the blood of Jesus. So that no ethnic group, no people group, no the worst of the worst we can possibly ever imagine is outside of redemption through Jesus. That Jesus is the one who makes the difference. And this, this oneness is, is not something that can be accomplished by man. There's all kinds of human-centered efforts to bring about unity that will ultimately fail because all that man can do is make laws and make rules and use shame and guilt tactics and say, get along. That's, that's the most that we can do. That's the most that people can do. That's the most that nationalism can do. That's the most that political correctness can do. That's the most that the United Nations can do. That's it. But the blood of Jesus can tear down walls inside the human heart that the United Nations peacekeeping forces can't get to. But Jesus is our peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And he is the one who enters into the human hearts and, and tears down those dividing walls, tears down those barriers, and makes us one in him. And I, I really saw this um, beautifully portrayed. Yesterday, I, I was uh, doing some early Thanksgiving shopping. I was in a supermarket, and I, I ran into this woman whose son had married someone um, from a different uh, different country, different ethnic background, different language, and both are believers—the bride and the groom—and so the, the mom of the groom was just saying, "Oh yeah, I get to see my son, my daughter-in-law." She was just so excited about this, and and it was just a we just had a just a great conversation about this couple. They both love the Lord, and it was it was beautiful. It was just like it's so awesome. It's really excited to just to, to hear that about this this um, recently married couple. But it also made me think about um, another conversation that I had with someone who was interested in someone from, again, another country, another ethnic background, another language. And there was problems there. Now both guy and girl loved Jesus. That wasn't the problem. The problem was that on one side of the family. Who, and both, both sides claimed to be followers of Jesus, both family sides claimed to be followers of Jesus. Um, on one side of the family, there was an, they had an issue with the other person because they were from a different culture, language, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, beyond that, they were even encouraging their family member to date this person who was of the same culture, ethnicity, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. But who was not a follower of Jesus? Yeah. So they were putting ethnicity, culture, etc, cetera, etc cetera, above Jesus. Yes. clearly, in violation of what Scripture says that a believer should not be unequally yoked to an unbeliever so now if If these family members aren't followers of Jesus, I can understand. Okay, it makes sense. From a worldly point of view, that's what you do. But in Christ, it doesn't make sense. It's not biblical. And and I would would want to say to those family members, if you are in Christ, stop thinking like the old self, which you have taken off. Renew your mind Remember the new self that you have put on in Christ, where the walls have been broken down and the barriers have been eliminated. So what is the purpose of this oneness that we have in Christ? There is a God-ordained purpose for that. But I, I want to contrast it with the, the world's false version of unity, that, which is most of what we, we hear um, you know, taught to us in the world. Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 gives us the origin of languages, how it happened in human history. Genesis 11, one, uh, Genesis 11, 1 through 9. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, If as one people, speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them, over the face of the whole earth. So here we have early in human history, the people did two things that were wrong. Verse 4, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, and here's the two things, so that we may make a name for ourselves, and two, not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. That was the two things that they did wrong. First thing, they were trying to make a name for themselves. Now, if you think about it, here's all of humanity saying, let's make a name for ourselves. Well, if all of humanity is saying this, who's, on the, who's the other that they must be talking about? God. Let's make a name for ourselves. And we're not going to scatter. We're all going to be here. We're going to make a name for ourselves, and we're going to make a tower that goes up to heaven. And they're kind of saying, we're coming after you. And so God said, oh, no, no, no. This is not going to happen. And so he scattered them. What was, so it, it's kind of clear about making a name for themselves, but what was the issue of them Why did God want them to scatter? Here's the issue. What was supposed to have happened when God said to Adam and Eve, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, go everywhere. I made a huge planet, there's lots of room, go everywhere. In the process of going everywhere, language and culture would have developed very naturally. That was the intended purpose. But humanity wanted to say, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to be all the same, and we're going to be opposed to you and make a name for ourselves. And that is what world-centered, worldly unity looks like today. It was God's intention for there to be many thousands and thousands of languages. That was God's intention. Just think about it. Will there be sickness in heaven? No. We pray against that now. There's not going to be sickness in heaven. There's not going to be death in heaven. Because some people have said, oh, well, all the languages, well, that's a curse because they were disobedient. Well, if it were, we wouldn't have all these languages in heaven because there's, right? That was God's intention. Just the way, but God had to, do, had to force it upon us because we were in rebellion against him. But still, God will get the glory that he deserves. Worldly unity says, let's all be the same and let's glorify ourselves. But the unity in Christ says, let's all be different and glorify Jesus. That's the difference. And we can't confuse the two. It may look the same on the outside when the world says, oh, just, you know, let's all you do you, just follow your heart, da-da-da, let's all be one. But that's all, that's all the worldly-centered kind. It doesn't work. It's in rebellion against God. The kindness from Jesus says, man, you're different, and let's worship God in our different ways. And the church in Antioch was a first picture of that. Let's look at it. Acts chapter—actually, uh, we'll, we'll get to that a little, um, a little later. First, we'll look at Acts chapter 17. Because God has a purpose in this scattering of people. In Acts chapter 17, Paul is talking to a group of, group of people in the city of Athens And he's explaining to them this whole process of why there's people who live in all the different places of the world. Acts 17, verse 26, from one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. God's purpose in this scattering is for people to find him. Yes. That's why you're here from wherever you are. Maybe this isn't your home, so to speak, but you've moved here from somewhere. Can we put that slide of the World Fair? So I think there's some uh, there are places on there where people have... Put where they're from, maybe it's hard to see from this picture. But if you go over the World Fair, you can put a little pin map of of where in the world you're from. Uh, If you see that kind of reddish-orange country, USA, on the far left is the country of California. That's where I'm from. Uh, So now God is moving to this nation, the Republic of Texas. So and I think, God, why would you bring me here? I don't understand this. But now I understand why. And this is, and Paul explains why. Because God is a master chess player. He moves people to the places on the board, the places in the world, for his sovereign purposes so that people can reach out and find him. That is the purpose. I was talking to uh, my, my friend Mary, and she said she was talking to a woman, a Muslim woman, who had had a dream. And in this dream... She was in a, a, a large wheat field, and far off in the wheat field, she, she saw Jesus. And she was so happy that she saw Jesus. Well, by the end of the dream, you know, she she was trying to get to Jesus in the dream. By the end of the dream, Jesus had, had left and he was gone. And, you know, she woke up from the dream so sad and you know that she didn't get to Jesus in the dream. So she was telling this to Mary, who's a follower of Jesus. So why did God put this woman right next to Mary? It's clear. Because God is wanting people to reach out for him and to find him. And the way that people are going to reach out and find Jesus is by reaching out and finding you who know Jesus. Jesus. That's how it happens. Christ living in you. You are an ambassador of Christ. You represent the King of Kings. Isn't that amazing? And that's how people who don't know him are going to find him. That's how they're going to reach out and grab a hold of him when they grab a hold of you and you share with them about Jesus. Yesterday, I went to an apartment complex with a couple of guys who are Spanish speakers. And we knocked on this door and just said, Hey, we're just out praying for people. Anything we can pray for you for? So the wife let us in, said, Yeah, my husband, he's got all these issues, problems, all kinds of physical problems. Turns out this guy was um, back, way back in the day, he was part of the the drug cartel in Dallas. And he had had an extremely colorful life, you know what I'm saying? And, but it was amazing. He was telling me all these stories about how God had miraculously intervened in his life. And and I I hope that he has an opportunity to to share this story, because it was just, like, after every story, like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe you're, and you're still alive. Oh, my goodness, you're still alive. Oh, my goodness, you're still alive. How'd that, you know? All these encounters, and I began to realize, okay, we just happened to knock on this door. I mean, we didn't, we didn't know rhyme or reason. We're just like, okay, here's a door. We'll just knock on it. And, but God was moving the chess pieces so that this guy could, could hear the good news about Jesus. And he wants, to, he wants to use all of us. He wants to use all of us. Acts chapter 13. I was talking about the church in, in Antioch. So this is a church that... Uh, where where the followers of Jesus were first called Christians, because they were like Christ, like Jesus, and there was a this an international, diverse group of people on the leadership team of this church. Acts chapter thirteen verse one. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, and Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene. Manan who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting the Holy Spirit said set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So let's look at uh, where this team was from. Let's put up that, that slide. So First mentions Barnabas. Barnabas is from Cyprus, and there's that island. That's uh, kind of on the, on the eastern part of the map. Cyprus there. Simeon, called Niger. Niger means black, so he's probably darker-skinned. We don't know what country he was from. Lucius of Cyrene. Cyrene, if you go to the, to the left in the bottom, that yellowish area, Cyrene the city right on the top there. That's in uh, modern-day Libya. Manan, who was brought up with Herod. So here's a guy who was part of the, you know, the royal, grew up with the royal family. And then Saul from Tarsus, who's in that kind of that orangish area just above uh, the island of, of Cyprus there. So we've got this diverse leadership team, this multinational leadership team, and they have a heart for the nation. Surprise, surprise. And so they sent out this first apostolic team, to bring the good news of Jesus to the other Gentiles. Now let's go to Acts chapter 20. So this was now in Paul's third apostolic journey, where Paul is going around, he's going to a city, sharing the gospel, making disciples, forming churches, raising up leaders, and then moving on to do the same thing. So verse, uh, sorry, chapter 20, verse 1. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. Now it's going to tell who his team members are, his apostolic team. Verse 4. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derbe, Timothy also, Timothy was from Lystra, and Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. So we go back to that map again, and it's, you, I know you can't see the names of the cities, but if you can imagine that, that orange area at the top left, okay, where Thessalonica is, and the yellow area is the province of Asia, and then uh, the, kind of the orangish area, and then um, Cyprus, so you have, again, just this, so Paul went to the nations and he grabbed other people, this multinational team, to bring the gospel to further nations. Because he, he realized that this, this multinational team would be more effective in reaching the Gentiles. Uh, a little while ago, you can put up the, this next slide So uh, don't judge me on my selfie skills. I'm an old guy. So the four of us went to this apartment complex, and um, we knew that there was a a diverse group of people living in this complex. So uh, you see Zane on the far right. He speaks uh, Malaysian and two different Chinese languages. Daniela speaks Spanish. And then Logan and myself were really pretty good at English. (laughs) So um, we thought, okay, we got, got a lot of our bases covered and, you know, we should be okay. So um, we were walking this. Zane and I were um, in the, walking by one apartment complex. And um, he says, oh, Brian, there's a, that symbol above that door is a, a Chinese, a symbol of a Chinese ethnic religion. Let, let's go knock on that door. I'm like, okay, awesome. You, you know, take over. So knocked on the door and um, just started sharing. I, I think he may have even started sharing in Mandarin. Uh, assuming that it was a guy who would speak Mandarin. Well, the guy was Vietnamese. And we're like, oh. I didn't really think about that. Um, so now normally when that happens, when there's, you know, you, you can't speak the person's language, normally they say, you know, don't speak English and then the door slam. But this guy, he must have been intrigued because he pulled out his phone and he said, wait, let, let me call my let me call my son. We were able to communicate that. Let me call my son. So he calls his son, he puts the phone out like this, you know, in between us. And so like we're like trying to talk into the phone and and then the son is, you know, talking to him. And it it was kind of awkward, and we it was it was we're like, oh, this isn't working that well. But the thing that I thought was, this guy must have had some spiritual hunger, right? Because if he didn't, he would have just slammed the door. But there was something in him that was hungry. To, to know God, even if he may, may not be able to put his finger on it. And I thought, yes, we need Vietnamese disciple-makers. Where are you? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hunt you down after the service. We need Vietnamese disciple-makers. We need Spanish speakers. We need Gujarati speakers. We need Hindi speakers. We need Farsi speakers. We need Turkish speakers. We need Mandarin speakers. We need Japanese speakers. Because the glory of God needs to go into all these languages. Because there's there's ways of praising and glorifying God that that can't be done in our language. It can only be done in all these languages. And I just have I, I just have the feeling that when we get to heaven and we hear all the languages and we hear someone like praising God in another language, we're gonna be like, man, I, I would never have thought of putting it that way, but that's just so amazing. I just can't believe you said that. That is so awesome. And like, oh, wh- whoa! I just that, that yes, that it says it perfectly. I couldn't say it in my own language, English, but what you just said is yes, that's absolutely it. I, th- I think we're going to have those kind of experiences, and that's what we need all of us to be on this, this journey together of reaching the nations. As the worship team comes up. I want to suggest um, three possible responses. Maybe for, for some of you, um, maybe you're a Christmas-only Christian or a Thanksgiving-only Christian or every once in a while, and you haven't really surrendered your life to Jesus. Don't let this day go by without doing that. The Bible says to repent, to turn away from your sin, put your faith in Jesus, get baptized as an expression of faith in Jesus, and let's get on this mission together. Maybe there's some of you that are still operating in the old self-thinking, you've realized that, that I shouldn't, there shouldn't be barriers between me and, and my brother or sister from a, another people group. And maybe you're thinking, man, that's generations of my family have done that. Allow the power of Jesus to break down the wall in your heart today. And then maybe there's some of you that, whether your language is English or Vietnamese or Spanish or whatever, God is calling you to be that ambassador of Christ. That someone who doesn't know him can reach out and grab a hold of you and say, I, I, I want to know, tell me. Tell me about him.
1: If you guys want to stand, you can stand. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. Do you know that all the dark will stop the light from getting through?
0: is worthy of this. He is worthy of this. If there's any of you that you want to talk to someone about Jesus or pray with someone about Jesus, there's going to be some folks up here who would love to talk with you, love to pray with you about that. If you are um, new to Grace and um, just have some questions, you can head on over to the Welcome Center. Um, if you're not so new to Grace but still have questions, want to get connected somehow, there's their Connection Coffee. But all of us, let's head on over to the World Fair. If you are a parent, uh, go ahead and grab your kids. They already have their passports, and they're ready to go. Let's pray before we head over. God, we just thank you that you are worthy, Lord Jesus. We give you all the praise and honor and glory. Thank you for how you have redeemed us and made us one in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I bless you.